I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Now, here's Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins. Well, Rangers and Astros at 620. Another huge week in a college football, and while we have a new heavy favorite to win the Heisman Trophy, Monday Night Football comes your way at 640. Chelsea will take control during the 7 o'clock hour, so we will choose a winner of the weekend when we play MVP Monday. And how about more baseball? The ALCS underway. We've got game two and then game one of the NLCS tonight in Philly starting at 8 o'clock. We'll talk more about what we saw on Sunday in the NFL, followed by more baseball. And, of course, Best Bets headed your way at 8.45. Chelsea, good morning to you. I see you are still in Charlotte, so I assume that means your husband made the cut this weekend at the golf tournament. Oh, he didn't. <laughs> oh, okay. We just happened that. to stay. Uh, oh, okay. Well, because we were probably going to stay anyway, just because we haven't seen his family in a while, and he deserves time with his family, and I like seeing his family too. Uh, so we are going to go back today right after the show. We're going to try to stop by Smoky uh, Mountains National Park maybe, drive through a little bit uh, if we have the time because the drive here took absolutely forever. We had some traffic in Knoxville, and it took us nine hours to get here. So hopefully that's not the case on the way back. Yeah, because it's like the whole day. Uh, And also when you have a toddler, it's not like the most fun, even though she was very good for a three-year-old. So we're hoping for some good fortune in that regard. But no, he did not play well, and he – let me hear about it the entire weekend because like it's against all of his buddies and of course like he didn't play that well and the rest of them did but i'm like jake they played like five rounds of golf this week and he was like yeah it's on you i didn't get to practice i'm like you play plenty of golf so i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing that like he didn't play well because now it's on me that he doesn't play golf enough and i'm like oh my goodness chelsea the guy is i the way i consider jake is semi-professional you gotta let that guy get out the links i understand you got blake this guy he's trying to make money on the tour he's grinding out there his buddies are getting in more practice time this is a nice little flip of the script by your husband to say hey this isn't my fault who's your fault this is normally what I'm very good at is flipping the script and making it his fault. Mm-hmm. So maybe the 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 student has finally learned from the yes. teacher because I've been teaching this lesson for years. You know, you flip the script and in marriage, you always keep score like that's, a, you know, the key to success in a marriage. Very healthy. Always very healthy. keeping score, always pointing fingers and always yes. telling the other person that it's their fault. What I always say, the key to a successful relationship is building up as much resentment as possible so you Mm -hmm. never forget about the other person. They're always on your mind. I mean, you learn a little bit of everything in this show. And you know what? Jake has learned from you. He is now the Jedi Master. It used to be you. He's flipped it on you. You didn't even see it coming. I know. Um, So it's similar to betters. Like, betters never forget, and a spouse never forgets, especially if you've been in a long-term relationship. So... 
Uh, he's never for, gonna forget about this weekend and how he didn't shoot, you know, 73 like the rest of his friends. Because I'll say the rest of his friends are very good at golf, so like it's a pretty mm -hmm. high bar to clear. Uh, but yes, at least uh, I had a winner for my. So at least we both weren't in bad moods. Excellent. Well, I'll tell you one thing: if I shot a 73, if I shot an 83. I'd brag about that forever. So tell us about your winner because once again, another fine week for you. Yeah, unders were clearly the play over the weekend. I did not realize we were going to see so many low scoring games, but the one game that I thought we would see the Leafs scoring ended up being a sweat for an under. Had Patriots Raiders under 42, Vegas won at 21-17. This one was a sweat. And let me tell you, there was a safety at the end of this game where I started mm -hmm. to get kind of nervous. And I was like, no, wait, Chelsea, let's live in reality land. They're just going to kneel it. They're not going to try to score anymore. There have already been too many um, bad things in this game. Uh, the Patriots had a, a safety at the end of this one. So uh, I am thanking uh, the betting gods for letting me squeak by with an under here. Well, you know what? Take it when you can get it. Another winner from you. I had an uneven weekend. Well, actually, I should say an even weekend. It was fine. Had NC State Duke under 46. Duke wins that game 24-3. Easy under, but lost Cal Utah under 46. Utah wins 34-13 or 14, I should say. Did not see the Utes scoring that many points, especially with Cam Rising's availability in question throughout the entire week. So a one and one weekend for me. As for the doctor, he had Penn State laying 41 and a half against UMass. Well, Penn State rolled in that game, 63 nothing. <laughs> then had Vikings Bears over 44. Vikings win 19 to 3. That was a loss. So we look at double D's to Jen Parlay before we wrap up the week. He went four and four, didn't come home. Uh, sort of a back and forth weekend for him as well. Try to make us some money. That was odds of 155 to one for the week. Chelsea, very fine work. He went six and three. I went six and five and the Dogster went six and two. We will take that anytime we can get it. It is a daily tip from BetQL presented by BetMGM. It is great to have you with us on a Monday morning. Let's talk Sunday night football as in Bills escaping the Giants last night. 14-9. The Giants getting 15 and a half points. Bills minus 1,200 on the money line. Under set at 47 and a half. The under hits. The Bills actually down 9-7 in the fourth. About three minutes to play or so before Josh Allen does this. Comes Dawson Knox trying to turn himself upfield. Allen bouncing, escaping. Firing in zone. Touchdown, Quinn Morris. Ooh, Quentin Morris, a 15-yard touchdown reception. This game actually comes down to the final play because the Giants drive right back down the field to the Buffalo 10. They throw an incomplete pass, but they get a second chance because there was a pass interference penalty called on Buffalo linebacker Terrell Bernard. So the Giants, this time at the Buffalo 1. No time left on the clock. They don't hand it off. They decide to throw it instead. Tyrod Taylor's throw too high for Darren Waller. So the Bills escape, again, with the Giants having a chance to win. No time left on the clock. I know we both had Buffalo in the survivor pool. I'm sure a ton of people had the Bills on a couple parlays. And, man, you talk about a sweat. This was it. I think the Bills accounted for like 25% of survivor picks. There were a lot of people on Buffalo and a lot of people sweating till the very end in this game. I, for one, had already accepted defeat at halftime. I thought to myself, okay, the Bills aren't moving the ball. This is it. 
this is where the Bills lose mm-hmm. a game. Uh, because I was thinking about this. Doesn't it feel like the Bills are either, you know, flat out incredible or like very mm-hmm. flat? It feels like it's the Josh Allen effect. Like either he's tearing everything up or he's just not looking like himself. I feel like there is very little in between for the Buffalo mm-hmm. Bills. Do you think that's a correct assumption? Because I don't have anything to back it up. It's just as I'm watching this game, it does feel like the Bills are a team every single year that either loses outright to a terrible team or doesn't even come close to covering a massive spread. This was 14 and a half. Yeah, that's a huge number. Any week in the NFL, I would say this is that when you look at Buffalo, they seem like that team. They're kind of like the Chiefs in a bit in, in, in that, look, they know they have the talent and they sort of play up or down to the level of their opponents because they're just waiting for the postseason. Not that they don't need to win. Of course they do. But sometimes we'll see the Chiefs struggle mid-year and people will say, what? Oh, is this it for Kansas City? What's going on? No, the Bills are the same way. They know how good they are. They have the talent. So it's not like they're biding their time. At the same time, I feel like when you're a team like that and you're just ready for the playoffs, you want to get good. You want to tweak things. You want to make sure you're hitting on all cylinders by the time you get to the postseason. But the Bills are one of those few teams that kind of can turn it on when they need to. Yeah, but also it's October 16th. Like, it's a little early to be thinking about, like, the postseason. And I'm remembering, didn't they lose to the Jags when Urban Meyer was head coach? Like, I feel like that should count for, like, five losses in that season. (laughs) Um, So I'm trying to think, what are the takeaways for the Bills in this game? I try not to overreact to one game in the NFL because we've seen it. Every single uh, team in the NFL is fully capable of losing, and I feel like we definitely saw this this weekend in the NFL where upsets were a plenty. Are you taking away too much from this almost loss to probably one of the worst football teams in the league? I I don't – honestly, it it doesn't bother me. If I'm a Bills fan, I'm like, look – What are we doing here, guys? That was closer than it should have been. But the Bills were monster favorites. They were playing at home. You can't tell me. I know these guys are pros. I understand that you have to get up for every game. I get that. But it is the NFL. We see stuff like this all the time. You mentioned yesterday we saw this in the NFL. The Niners lost yesterday Mm -hmm. for the first time. They like a wagon. So and, And by the way, they lost to a Browns team playing a backup quarterback. I would have never expected that. It's just the NFL. So anytime you can get a dub... I used to get so angry at this quote when coaches would say it, but now it resonates with me the older I've gotten, which is it is tough to win in the NFL. It just is. Everyone's good. Even the bad teams have professional athletes. So certainly you don't want to see the Bills escape for the next two or three weeks, but ultimately in two or three weeks, if the Bills are just running through teams, just like they ran through the Dolphins a couple weeks ago, we won't even be thinking about this game. Yeah, I think uh, the most significant takeaway is the movement that we've seen in the MVP market because I knew that two would not be plus 500 for long. Now it's back to Patrick Mahomes and Tua tied as favorites over at BetMGM. They're both plus 350. If you like Josh Allen, I feel like the time to buy in is now after kind of a so-so game. He's 7-1 to now, followed by Jalen Hurts at 8-1 to and Brock Purdy 10-1. to So I knew that Tua would go back down, and that offense, man, do they continue to put up some points. But they also played the Panthers. So I think that's what you do in the MVP market. If you like a guy, you kind of wait till the stock is a little bit less expensive, and that's when you buy in. So if you like Josh Allen, I think now's the time to buy in. Yeah, 
no question. We've been in on this guy for two years, so maybe now's the time for us to finally put some money down since he hasn't won it when we've been on him. Oh, and you mentioned we've got a lot of games to talk about, which we'll get that get to that later on in the show, but there was a horrible beat yesterday. Or backdoor cover, depending on how you look at it, there was a safety at the end of the Raiders-Patriots game, which made it 21-17 Las Vegas. That pushed the money to the books because 73% of the money was on Patriots plus three, that safety making the difference there. It is a daily tip for Beck you out presented by BetMGM. How about some baseball from yesterday? We cannot forget about the Rangers and Astros game one of the ALCS. The Rangers went to nothing. Astros minus 140 on the money line. So the Rangers come home at plus money here. Total set at eight and hook the under hits. If you had just pick one pitcher to shut out the other team, you would probably pick Justin Verlander instead of Jordan Montgomery. Instead, Montgomery goes six and a third inning to shut out baseball, scatters five hits. 21-year-old Evan Carter comes through with a double in the second inning. He would then score in a single from Jonah Heim. And then Leody Tavares steps to the plate in the fifth. Oh, the one-two pitch is hit hard. Deep right field, and Leody Tavares takes Verlander deep. That time of year where names are made. And how about Leody Tavares out of the ninth spot, hitting a home run against Justin Verlander? He certainly does, and the Rangers, Chelsea, get the win in game one at plus 120 on the money line in their first appearance in the ALCS since 2011. Verlander was very good. Just two runs allowed over, what, six and two-thirds innings, but Montgomery was even better. Right, and he's been good in the postseason, and we'll see this with some of these pitchers. They turn it on in the postseason. They have some kind of confidence. Their stuff's really working. And you see it in the postseason. I'm kind of banging on that with Zach Wheeler tonight uh, of the Phillies. But the other pivotal play here was Evan Carter as well. He made an incredible catch at the wall and it doubled up Jose Altuve. You could call it a base running mistake because he missed second base. And mm -hmm. it almost feels like deja vu because didn't we see this almost exact same play except it ended the uh, game between the Braves and the Phillies and it was Bryce Harper that got doubled up the next game. He goes nuclear and has like two home runs after they were trash talking him. I'm wondering if Jose Altuve responds in the same way because he was relatively quiet, or I should say very quiet at the plate mm -hmm. uh, for somebody who is usually very good in the postseason. So I don't think the series is over by a long shot. You've got to remember it's a seven-game series. Uh, maybe this is when you take the Astros. Because I think this was very price-dependent. Opening the series, where were the Astros? Minus 160. Now you get them at plus 144. If you still believe in the Astros and you still believe they're the better team, time to buy in is now. Yeah, because you got to feel like that if you're Houston, they don't go down 0-2. Or maybe if, maybe if they do, you feel like you can get an even better price on Houston. Should be a great game this afternoon. Game 2, 437 in H-Town with the Astros trying to even this thing up. Come on, next year on the show. Washington beats Oregon, and the Ducks head coach says it is all his fault. We're talking college football. That is next to the Daily Tip for BetQL, presented by BetMGM. It is great to have you with us on a Monday. Stay right there. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. On the BetQL Network.
Welcome back to the Daily Tip presented by Bet MGM with Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger on the BetQL network. Welcome back. It is the Daily Tip for BetQL presented by Bet MGM. Great to have you with us. It's Monday. Coming up in just a bit. Michael Penix Jr. is now your unquestioned favorite for the Heisman Trophy after a thrilling win for the Huskies over the Ducks. So, Chelsea, we know that Jake competed in a golf tournament over the weekend. You're in Charlotte right now instead of Nashville. The question is, what did you do? Oh, well, since Jake was playing golf all day, I was just, you know, gallivanting around with our three-year-old. But... We had a fall festival in town. Oh. We went to the Cotton Ginning Festival, which is like a bunch of tractors and stuff and like fall things. So I'm cool with that. I love a good fall festival because they're great for yeah. kids. There's a bunch of things to do. Blake got to ride a horse for the first time. And as a former horse girl myself, this made my heart smile because I loved horses. Oh. Up. I had a horse. And I was obsessed with riding horses until I realized it was not a sport for people who are not insanely rich. So I was kind of glad to see her enjoying uh, the craft of horse riding, even though they picked the oldest and fattest horse for her to ride, probably for her safety. But boy, did that horse not look happy to be there. (laughs) Oh, I hear that. I went on a... What was it? It was a horse tour of Charleston a few years ago. And they, I felt bad because these horses, you know, they just clop, 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 clop along the city. And Charleston is very, very historical, as you know. And I just remember, I don't know what this horse's name was, like Charlotte or something. And they, I felt bad. I'm like, man, these poor horse, horses are old. They're just going through the same route again and again and again. It's hot outside. And I remember we got to this a stop sign in the middle of Charleston and the horse wanted to go right because the right is where the stables were, but the left was to continue on the tour. And <laughs> the guy who was guiding us, we we're like, where, where is the horse trying to go home? And he goes, hoping. I was like, Oh, that's not good. I'm hoping <laughs> to go home, hoping uh, the horse not, but then they swore. Oh, well, once they get home, they're, you know, they're spoiled and bathed and maybe they are but i felt really bad for that horse just plopping along well not all of them have good attitudes they're like people like horses are just like that's people. true they have their own uh personalities and i'll say usually the old fat ones are the best for like young kids though because they're not gonna like mm-hmm. take off running like isn't that what you don't want you don't want a young like philly that's about to like take off and be young and spry for your three-year-old riding you want the fattest one that has no desire to get up and run in fact maybe they'll just stand there and not move but sunflower was a good horse oh sunflower that's perfect do you miss being a horse gal because i know the people that i know who love horses it's a it is a real passion it's it's something that if you are a horse gal or a horse guy people who love horses it's it's a true love affair yeah but then like when your horse dies it's like the worst pain imaginable because it's like a human i think this is like the worst part of like owning pets 
is like eventually, mm -hmm. usually they don't last as long as us. So like, I remember that being really, really sad when I had to give up uh, my horse. But yes, I feel like this is one of the hobbies where you can truly live in like the wilderness and you feel very free. Mm -hmm. Like there's nothing more freeing than like galloping across a pasture with like the wind in your hair and like no worries. So I think that is truly an experience that like I will always cherish. And at one point I would like to do it again, maybe in like Montana or something. Uh, but it's just, it's a sport that's really difficult if you don't have a lot of money because people have all these horses, they have all these trainers and it's like not a poor person's sport. Like you have to own a horse. Horses are very expensive to keep up. So that was another thing. I didn't realize it at the time, but like I was making my parents pay a lot of money for my hobby. <laughs> that is They're true. Like, Can't golf you just is... play basketball? Like, yeah, no, it's true. It's true. I mean, golf to a lesser extent is also expensive. Right. There are some sports where if you want to play them and be good at them, or at least be a part of a certain hobby on a regular basis, yeah, you got to pay the price for it. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'll tell you who paid the price on Saturday, the Oregon Ducks, because number Washington squeaks by number eight, Oregon, 36-33. Washington went off as a three-point favorite, so that was a push. Washington minus 155 on the money line, total set at 67, the overhits. Oregon decides to go for it on a fourth and three at the Washington 47 with just over two minutes to play. It was not the right call. So the Huskies hold. They need just two plays to score. Michael Penix Jr. finding Rome Adunze on a 18-yard touchdown pass to put Washington on top by three. And yet, the Ducks drive down the field, and they had a chance to tie the game. Missed it! And the Huskies survive! Lewis is consoled. The field is stormed. And Washington has won it. 36-33. Chris Fowler with the call on ABC. Camden Lewis missing a 45-yard field goal as time expires. This might have been the best game of the year. Penix Jr. goes for 200 or 302 yards, I should say. Four touchdowns, one pick. Dylan Johnson carries for 100 yards on and a score as well. So here we go, Chelsea. The question is, did Dan Lanning blow this for the Ducks after the game? He says, this is all on me, 100% on me. He had three instances in which he went for it on fourth down, failed every single time. 0-3 for the Ducks on fourth down. Yeah, but you missed a 43-yard field goal at the end that would have tied it. So I think 
I appreciate him saying this and going all in and saying this was yeah. all my fault. So the kicker didn't feel bad, but they absolutely had a chance to at least tie this game and go to overtime. As somebody who had Oregon plus three, I couldn't decide mm -hmm. if I was rooting for them to go to overtime because overtime is usually where dogs go to die. I didn't feel super confident. So I will take the push. Uh, I was watching this game on my phone at the Mexican restaurant with uh, my in-laws, and I felt like a total degenerate. But it was a great game. Ah. Had to be the best game of the weekend. We all grabbed our popcorn for this one to see Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. Mm -hmm. go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. And when you look back at like great seasons or great teams – it feels like sometimes there is a little bit of luck um, involved. So mm -hmm. I'm thinking to myself, how would Michael Penix Jr.'s Heisman uh, campaign be different if they had lost this game? Because didn't this feel like the Heisman moment for Michael Penix Jr.? And I'm not sure if we would have gotten it if they would have lost the game outright. But still, overall, some of the throws that he was making, man, he yeah. looked like an NFL quarterback. Uh, so I feel like this was the takeaway. Number one, a huge top 10 win for Washington at home, uh, but also the crowning moment for Michael Penix Jr. If you had been unaware of how good this guy is at quarterback, I think you were greeted uh, with a welcome surprise as you watch some of these highlights. Man, is he good. He, I don't know if there's anyone in college football who throws a better deep ball than Michael Penix Jr., I mean, it is a thing of beauty. And what I loved about, I mean, you can debate it either way. It ended up working out. But as soon as the Ducks decided to go for it late and they didn't get it, and you thought, okay, here comes Washington. They're going to milk the clock here. <laughs> no, which is why the Ducks had a chance to tie this game late. I mean, two plays, two packs, from, two passes from Penix, and boom, the Huskies were in the end zone like that. And you know how if you're a Heisman Trophy voter or college, they love a good narrative. And remember, Michael Penix Jr. was a stud at Indiana and then tore up his knee, wasn't quite the same player, or at least that's what we thought was going to happen. Instead, he gets right, comes to Washington, and here he is leading the race. Unbelievable performance. Bo Nix goes 33 of 44, 337 yards, two touchdowns, a very good performance as well, but just not quite enough there at the end. Let's go to South Bend, where number 21 Notre Dame crushes number 10 USC, 48 to 20. Notre Dame laying three points. The Irish minus 155 on the money line. Total set at 61, the overhits. That Notre Dame defense harassing Caleb Williams all game long. He throws only one touchdown, gets intercepted three times for the first time ever in his career. Two of those picks coming from Xavier Watts. They also sack Williams six times as he throws for only 205 yards. Now the Irish runs off in this game 24-3 at the half. USC pulls within 31-20 in the fourth quarter, but then on the ensuing kickoff, Jadarian Price makes him pay. This is Price bringing it out, trying to return uh -oh. of his own. Now Jadarian Price turning on the Jets. 20-10 touchdown Notre Dame! Wow! And that was it. Done. Jadarian Price, 99 yards on the kickoff, so the Irish just whipped the Trojans in the worst game we've ever seen from Caleb Williams in a college uniform. Right. Didn't we... I think we had those odds flashed across the screen of the Heisman odds mm -hmm. that 
Caleb Williams was once the favorite to win this award. Now I believe he's at least 10 to 1. That is how bad his Saturday was for USC. Mm -hmm. And it felt like the only thing you could count on for USC is their offense, or at least that was my train of thinking. But looking back, this had to be the best defense that they had faced because they played who? Nevada, Stanford, Arizona State, Colorado, who definitely mm -hmm. exposed their defense over the weekend, uh, and Arizona. So I think this was really the litmus test for USC to see if this is a team that's for real. I think we kind of knew that they weren't because their defense wasn't good, but I think the shocking thing was how bad their offense was. And Caleb Williams probably you know, played himself out of the first overall pick. Do you think that's a fair assumption now? Do you think one game really did that much to no. his NFL projection? I don't know. Like it start the layers are starting to peel away though. Because I think that's a real concern is if you can't play against against good defenses, how do you think it's going to go in the NFL? Like you're not going to be playing Stanford every week or, you know, uh whoever, Nevada. So, I do think that there's something to it and we definitely had hints that USC was not the real deal. But now I think in the Pac-12, you've got to turn your eyes towards Oregon and Washington. Those are the teams to beat, not USC. Well, that's true as far as the Pac-12 is concerned. But I have zero doubt that Caleb Williams will go number one overall in the draft. Caleb Williams was projected to go number one overall last year. He's still projected to go number one overall this year. And one game is not going to change that. Now, I understand that you have to perform well against good defenses. This is the worst game he's ever had in college, ever. Ever. It's one game. You are not, if you go through your college career without a single game where you have any blemishes at all, then you are, then you are the actually exception to the rule. So, yeah, it was a bad performance with Caleb Williams, but the reason why it's shocking is we never see Caleb Williams have any sort of performances like this. And it's not like last year when he won the Heisman Trophy, the NFL scouts weren't looking for weaknesses. It's not like NFL scouts saw this and were like, oh, my God, this is something we had never considered. It's like, of course you've considered it. You've seen every part of Caleb Williams' game. He had a bad game. They weren't ready to go against Notre Dame. So he's going to be number one. It's just a question of whether or not he's really in the mix for the Heisman Trophy. He's not now. I mean, certainly stranger things have happened, but I think he's played himself out of contention because that's how college football works. I think I'll go against you a little bit here. I still think there is a chance that he can play himself out of that number one overall pick because I think teams are going to be especially hesitant after what we've seen with Bryce Young. I think, you know, when you pick first overall and you pick a quarterback, this is a franchise-altering move. And you still have plenty of games left on the schedule. And, yes, he already has one incredible year on his resume. But I don't think it's completely a guarantee that he's going to go first overall. Like, maybe he does, but I don't think that we should write it off completely, that it's, like, out of the picture that he doesn't go first overall. There's still a lot of season left. Oh, yeah. Well, he's going to be fine. I, I will be absolutely fine. I put a lot of money on Caleb Williams going number one overall. He's taller than Bryce Young. He is bigger than Bryce Young. He's minus 430 to go number one overall right now. And that is after his worst performance ever in a Trojan uniform. Finally, we should mention this quickly. Number 12, North Carolina whips number 25, Miami. 
41-31, UNC minus three, minus 145 on the money line. Total set at 57, the over hits. Heels down 17-14 at the break. They trailed in this one, then run off 24 straight points in the second half, led by their stud, Tez Walker. This would be about 50 from here. Nay, protected well this time. It's Walker again. Tez Walker, third touchdown of the night. Six catches, 132 yards. Chelsea, the heels are off to their best start since 1997, the year before Mac Brown left Carolina in his first stint to go to Texas. Right, and because he has a great quarterback, too. Uh, Drake May leading the charge here, 17 of 33, 273 yards, and four touchdowns, along with no interceptions. I think a lot of us were interested to see how Miami would bounce back after that god-awful end to their last game. Like, they weren't dead here, but still, I think Carolina was just the better team. Yeah, Miami's an interesting case because now they've lost two straight. They did have that awful loss you talk about. They've got some work to do before things will start to unravel there in Coral Gables. Coming up next here on the show, time to go back to football. Cowboys and Chargers tonight on Monday Night Football. We'll talk about it next on the Daily Tip from Beck UL. Presented by BetMGM. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. On the BetQL Network. Let's get back to the Daily Tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Yeah. Welcome back on Monday. It is a daily tip from BetQL presented by BetMGM. Great to have you along with us. Coming up in mere moments, what we expect to happen tonight in L.A. with the Cowboys visiting the Chargers on Monday Night Football. Chelsea, how did you manage watching everything that was happening between college football is one thing because college football sort of owns Saturday, but in baseball yesterday, we also had game one of the ALCS along with pro football. And since you're a baseball gal and since you're on vacation, and you're dealing with family, or at least you're visiting your in-laws there in Charlotte. How did you manage keeping up with everything? For me, it's a little bit different because it's just me and the lovely Catherine. So it's just me saying, Oh, I need to watch this. Then we can watch a movie. You got about a billion things going on. Well, Jenks, I have multiple screens at my use. What? Because no. this is the year 2023. And what? also, we have this thing called a remote where you can flip back and forth. Like, this Incredible. isn't my first rodeo as a sports fan. Like, aren't you in this scenario every single week when it comes to this time of year? And I'm going to be honest. I mostly watched baseball last night instead of that disaster of a football game yeah, between yeah. the Bills and the Giants. So, like, baseball was number one for me last night. That was the more entertaining uh, theater for me because that atmosphere in Houston is electric. These two teams yeah. hate each other. The Rangers and the Astros was the game that I wanted to watch. So the hierarchy for me last night was ALCS and then number two, Giants and Bills. So I did watch some of the Bills game, but it definitely wasn't number one. I was like flipping back and forth a little bit, but mostly was enthralled with baseball. Well, I'm just going to say the reason why I think it triggered that thought is that I'm looking at, at basketball headlines and I'm reading about Giannis and Dame Dalla making their debut together. I cannot believe that we're about to get on 
the basketball train as well. Hockey just got started. So I was thinking about this. I'm like, man, on any given night on a Saturday and Sunday, you're also going to start adding, you know, a little hockey to the mix, a little basketball to the mix. The sports equinox is upon us, which doesn't last too long. But this is sort of that perfect gathering each and every this time of year where depending on what you want to see or what your favorite sport is or what your hierarchy is or what you're betting on, you're going to need like at least three screens. Well, also, I think it's the time of year where you need to exercise some discipline because the more sports mm -hmm. that you try to handicap, the harder it's going to be. So my advice would be, yes, you can enjoy as many sports as you want from a watching perspective, but I would mm -hmm. try not to bet on too many because you're just not going to be as sharp when you're spreading yourself too thin. It's like any walk of life. When you spread yourself too thin, you will usually pay for it. So yes, you will be watching more sports, but again, I will not be betting on every sport, especially like the first week of the season for the NBA. Like, I don't think I'll be betting on that. Yeah, I'm the same way. Even though I did so for hockey, just betting on a couple of huge mismatches because you hope going back to last season, that gives you an idea of what you should bet on this season. But things, of course, always fluid, always change. But I'm like you. I just need a little bit more sample size before I start throwing down money on the NBA because the NBA, at least for me, is very difficult to bet on. We'll see how it plays out this year. Chelsea, we do have Monday Night Football tonight, which will capture uh, maybe part of your attention. we got a lot of baseball today. Cowboys at the Chargers. Cowboys laying a point and a half. Cowboys minus 125 on the money line. Chargers plus 105. Total set at 51. So I believe this was a Cowboys minus two at one point during the week. So maybe a touch of money coming in on the Chargers here. What do you think is going to happen? This is a tough one, and I don't think I'll be picking a side here because it feels like everything is pointing towards maybe putting some money on the Chargers plus two, but do you really want to trust Brandon Staley in a close game? I don't. Oh. But on the flip side, do you really want to trust Mike McCarthy in a close game? No. Neither of these no. coaches seem like a good idea for me to put my money on. I think it's also shocking to see how high this total has crept. Open at 47 and a half. Now it's 51. This is extremely high for a primetime game. But we know that both of these offenses can certainly light it up. And on the at least the charger side of the ball, the defense has not been great. And you could probably say the yeah. same thing for the Cowboys when they're not playing one of the worst teams in the league. It is a team that's been kind of exposed, I feel like, over the past couple weeks that maybe they were just beating up on the worst teams across the league. Yeah. Now, before we go before we go any further, we do need to talk about the injury report at least a little bit because some big names uh, on the injury report list, uh, at least for the Chargers, Austin Eckler is back. Justin Herbert off the injury report as well, but Joey Bosa on the defensive end side uh, and Donald Parham Jr. the tight end for the Chargers, questionable for Monday night. And that adds to the fact that Mike Williams, star receiver for the Chargers, also is on injured reserve. So usually when there's an injury to one of the big names that's getting a lot of the targets, that's when you go to the mm -hmm. props world and you say, okay, who's going to be getting those targets so for me i think it's going to be a props only game the fact that we do have a high total means that we should see some offense from both sides of the ball but as far as the yeah. side goes i don't think i want to choose here do you have a feeling oh man I, I i lean cowboys i like the cowboys here i would lay the point and a half or if you just want to take cowboys money line minus 125 that doesn't bother me at all i i just think it's a nice buy low spot on dallas based on the fact that 
what have we seen from Dallas this season? We've seen a really bad loss to the Cardinals, and which I sort of toss out the window, and then they got beat up by the Niners. But the Niners are the best team in football. Yeah, I know they lost yesterday. I still think right now San Francisco has the best team in the NFL. So I kind of like the Cowboys here. Also, there's no real home field advantage. I know you take that into effect because of crowd noise, because of travel, but the Chargers don't have a good home field advantage at all. Chargers fans just aren't the same in L.A. that they were back when they played in San Diego. The Chargers do get Austin Eckler tonight, so I like a prop on him, but Mike Williams, we know, is out for the season. I don't know. I I think what it comes down to me is this is about defense for me, and that's why we're seeing this total creep up. So if you look at the Chargers, they have the second worst total defense in the National Football League. The only defense worse than them is the Denver Broncos. They have the worst pass defense in the National Football League. So you can knock Dak all you want and say, well, he didn't look good against the Niners. Well, I can assure you the Niners defense is a lot different than the Chargers defense. And to me, that will be the deciding factor in this game. So I don't know if I'll play it, but I like the Cowboys based on that alone, based on sort of the recency bias of what we saw last week and the fact that the Chargers just don't play D. Well, also, you've got to remember that that first game of the season may be skewing the numbers a little bit because it feels like the Dolphins put up huge numbers on just about everybody. First game of the season, Uh Chargers gave up 466 to Tua. And I think at that point, we're like, oh, my goodness, this Chargers defense is bad. But now we're starting to see that this Dolphins offense is just that good. And here's the other factor going for the Chargers here. They're coming off a bye week. So if you have any faith in Brandon Saley at all, which, you know, I'm not going to fault you if you don't, but still, he's had two weeks to prepare for this game. They've gotten the chance to get a little healthier, even though it sounds like they're still a little banged up. But I don't know. This line is going towards the Cowboys. So, Jenks, I think uh, that's where the market is going. But also, you've got to remember that the Cowboys are a very publicly backed team. I just yes. don't know. I feel like there is nothing here that I want to put my hard-earned money on. Would you play a total here? I feel like this one's way too high for me to take an over here. Well, I liked it at 47, but now it's up to 51. And four points in the NFL on the totals market is just its way too many points. So now I wonder, I would have leaned to the over at 47, 48, which is where all that money has come in. So I like that early in the week. But now I feel like it's moved so high that maybe the under is the play. There's just not a lot about this game to like, at least for me as a better I like an Austin Eckler receiving prop. I think they'll probably dump the ball down to him because the Cowboys are very good at getting pressure on the quarterback. But as far as the total goes, now that the now that the money has moved this total number so high, now I think I might look at the under. Yeah, I don't know if I'm brave enough to play an under, though, either. Because like you said, that Chargers defense has been especially oh. bad. And plus, both of these offenses are really good. But you've got to remember, 51 is such a high total that if either of these offenses stall for even just a little bit, your over is completely dead. So let's get into some props since we've been hinting at it. Uh, I was thinking to myself, oh, how about an Austin Eckler touchdown? It's minus 225 over at BetMGM. There is no way I'm playing an anytime touchdown prop that is just that high. Even like Christian McCaffrey, who scored a touchdown in like 16 straight games, I feel like the value is still not there. 
Uh, we do have Mike Williams on the injured reserve. So I feel like those targets have to go to somebody. The number one receiver behind Mike Williams, or I guess you could say he's probably the number one receiver, Keenan Allen. He's had some huge games this year. Uh, has eclipsed the century mark in two of his last three games. Went for 215 in that overtime game, or I guess this wasn't overtime. Uh, the game against Minnesota, where they won that one 28-24. Keenan Allen had 215 yards, but the problem is Whoa. his prop is really high. 83 and a half, I believe, is the number for Keenan Allen. But if you're expecting a lot of points and a big passing game for a team that may be losing in the Chargers, who's playing from behind, I think that's probably a solid route to go. The other route uh, you could look at is how the Cowboys have done against tight ends. The tight ends have been uh, the key for opposing teams over the last few weeks. Uh, three of the last five games, tight ends have been the leading receivers for the opposition going against the Cowboys. Most recently, oh. George Kittle had three touchdowns and 67 yards. Before that, it was Hunter Henry, four catches, 51 yards. And Darren Waller for the Giants had three catches for 36 yards, which was the leading receiver for the Giants in a 42 nothing loss. So maybe you look at Gerald Everett here. His number's pretty low. I believe it's 25. Uh, he's had some hit or miss games, but still, I think maybe this is the time to play a tight end against the Cowboys. Oh, that's a very good sell. I'm going to go Austin Eckler, 31 and a half receiving yards. And this is about a couple things. Number one is that we know how dangerous he is when it comes to running the ball or catching the ball out of the backfield. But I mentioned this before. One thing the Cowboys excel at is pressuring the quarterback. So now that you've got Mike Williams out for the season, you've got to turn Austin Eckler into even more of a receiving threat. So I can see Justin Herbert just dumping the ball off, dumping the ball off, getting Eckler in space and letting him do his thing. Now he's back after playing only one game this season, but in his first game of the year, 47 yards on four receptions against the Dolphins. I am definitely on that tonight. Coming up next year on the show, time to vote on who had the best weekend in sports. We don't always agree, so you got to make sure you stick around for that. She is Chelsea. I'm Jinx. It is the Daily Tip from BeckQL, presented by BetMGM. Hope you're having a great Monday morning. Stay right there. Hour 2 is coming your way next. For more, listen to the Daily Tip, presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BeckQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.